Good morning, everybody. Phil Stevens here. You're on another episode of Iron Radio. I am a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. Here for another episode of fun. Hey, it's Dr. Mike T. Nelson, creator of the Flex Diet Cert and the Physiologic Flexibility Cert, associate professor at the Kerrig Institute and instructor at Walsh University, plus, I don't know, other random stuff. <laughs> Coach Durrell, Strength Guild in KC. Uh, really doing it all right now as a coach. Weightlifting. Uh, except powerlifting. I don't have any powerlifters right now. Mm. Weightlifting, strongman. Uh, I have, even have a crossfit on my table right now, so. Oh, man. Wow. Going all. back to your roots. Yeah. All kinds of <laughs> Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty big challenge with this person just because I was like, their goal was to get good at CrossFit. And I was like, Oh yeah. Are you, is like, okay. Like, are you serious about this? Can you train on your own? Like, that's a big thing is like going from all right to trying to be good at CrossFit is like, you're going to do it pretty much by yourself. Your whole gym is not going to come with you. No. <laughs> you know, like you're, and it's like, cause it's, it's not, it's not all the, variety and fun. It's like, that's why you suck at everything is because you do that. <laughs> we specialize. But they committed yeah. and I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. See, I always use the CrossFit thing as my gateway to get the person to do a real sport. So, <laughs> like Lep, like she wanted to be a CrossFit. I was like, okay, well we should do some weightlifting. <laughs> you're going to need to know how to do that. And then you just slowly wean out the CrossFit and, Convince them that jogging's dumb and bench cons are hard. <laughs> yes, yeah. You have to be out like, of breath all the time. You can just sit here and like <laughs> do a rep every five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so much better. I mean, I'll say, no one in this in this uh, podcast would be, I don't even think, able to program a bad enough program to look like most CrossFit type stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to try. Like, even yeah, even, even if you tried, I don't think you could do it. I don't yeah. think you It'd or Mike could just sit there and be like, all right, because you would immediately think, all right, what's the progression or yeah. whatever? Yeah, and you're <laughs> you're already wrong. So, yeah. and it's like you, I don't think you could sit down and, <laughs> you know, what I mean, I don't think it could happen because you'd be like, all right, we got to do some, we got to get stronger, blah, blah blah. It's like you're already thinking too much about it. It's like what makes you feel terrible yeah. today is the that's the deal. That's the goal. Yeah. I've told you guys that before. I've lost uh, clients years ago who wanted to get better at CrossFit, and so had them do the whole assessment protocol I have. And I'm like, okay, you know, these two are your weaknesses. Let's you know do this, you know, form a specialization. And they're like, nope, I'm out. Yep. I'm like. I told you ahead of time that if we're working on aerobic base for eight to 12 weeks, yes, people in your gym will start beating you on Metcons, but I guarantee it'll be worth the investment a year later. And they're like, nope, yeah. I'm out. I can't handle it. <laughs> I can't like, oh. lose. I can't lose at my own gym for the time. Right. I'm like, ain't this happen. is the pattern you've been stuck in for three years, <sighs> which is why you hired me to get out of said pattern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you say a year? That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. Crazy. I know. Yeah. I know. What am I? A year? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Unacceptable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like you, got, I don't think even if you 
somebody came and was like, all right, this program and don't, it can't be a strength and conditioning program for CrossFit. It has to be a cross, like a CrossFit program. Yep. And I don't think anyone here could do it. Yeah. Probably that not. should be our new app. We just load every CrossFit program that's ever been done and we just attach it to a random generator <sighs> and it just spits one out every day. We could make millions. Yeah. yeah. They do that. There are those. They have those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are, they? are you yeah, serious? Yeah, there are. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, I worked with the coach that that's how we programmed everybody. Yeah. So, he had to, just an automatic generator. That <laughs> they yeah, have, there was a dude who was training at my gym for a while, and he literally would just get to the gym and start scrolling around to find, like, the hardest workout he could find. <laughs> and then he would do that. And so that I'm, I'm dead serious that that is, like, that is the, the whole vibe of it. If you squat – Let's say you squatted three days a week in a in a training session, or you average squatting three days a week. They'll already think you're crazy. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, you know, like oh, you don't need that many squats. And then they'll they'll be like, well, we do squat X Y Z that many days a week. You know, we have wall balls in the program on this. It's like the load isn't high enough. Yeah, that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, I'm and like when you and that's why my cross gym was. Popular and unpopular at the same time. It's like popular and then hated at the same time because I was programming strength stuff. And I mean, our, and I didn't have any younger people who were competing. Like all of the people who I ever had compete and we were getting on podiums were like in their thirties and they only trained an hour a day. And all we did was strength plus like CrossFit workouts where I would inject some conditioning program. Like, you know, I would just plug in the assistance work into the uh, CrossFit Metcon, essentially. And we would do well just doing that. But, and if you brought in, and people, what they do is they, it's like they're either doing one thing, they're on or they're off. Like, I'm doing weightlifting or I'm doing CrossFit. And it's like, you could kind of, like, combine those two things. Nah. nah, nah. Does CrossFit talk. do the wad still? Do they put out a workout of the day? Yeah, they still have. Yeah. I still go look every now and again just because gotcha. I, I try to see what where it's trending towards. Right, yeah. like there's you know what that kind of stuff is trending towards. In most CrossFit gyms, I think it it's to me it's almost devolved. Like everyone who's evolved essentially doesn't put. To make, like CrossFit in the name. There's one gym here that does that's pretty good. Uh, I think it's Cobra Command CrossFit or whatever. Based. But they have, you know who they have is like everyone who owned a gym in my era of CrossFit owning gyms who like has got to the other side and it's like, okay, we need to do strength and conditioning stuff. That's all their coaches is all, all the old gym owners. <laughs> They're all from, in one area now. Before. Yeah. And it's and I, they have a good gyms. They do yeah. you know progressive stuff and all that stuff. It's great, and I fully support it. But most of the gyms that are good have moved on. They they call themselves you know strength and conditioning or yeah. athletic club, and they just have CrossFit like in the in the mm-hmm. small letters. Yeah. Ah, oh, boy, fun times. So, anyways, I got a bunch of. Random questions today that we will uh, go through here one at a time. 
They're kind of all over the board. So here's one that's kind of fun. Realistically, what would happen if we taught a gorilla powerlift, powerlifting techniques and gave it an unlimited supply of anabolic steroids? How much stronger would it make it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, drastically, I could imagine. Because uh, they're already, what is it, like many times stronger than a human. Like, off yeah. the bat. So, I mean, you're talking, even chimps, they'll, like, rip your arm off. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is all just guessing, but, I mean, holy shit. I mean, it wouldn't, I wouldn't, let's put it this way. I wouldn't want to run into a gorilla in real life. I definitely want, wouldn't want to run into one on steroids. So, gorilla's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be bad, but. So. I just looked it up, and this first thing is kind of hilarious because it's well, the, like a silverback gorilla, stronger than like twenty times stronger than human. Yeah, human Whoa. male. But <laughs> this little paragraph is like they can lift like so a gorilla can lift up to like four hundred and fifty kilos, and I'm not. I don't even think that's like a deadlift. I think that's yeah. like that'd be like if you trained head. it to. Cl- yeah, if you train it to clean and jerk. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's probably right, yeah. Uh, but it, it says, while a well-trained man can only lift up to 400 kilos. I'm like, uh, that's... Oh, that's 400 the, kilos? Holy shit. Yeah, that's not, that's not a well-trained man. Like, that is the elite. an extremely well-trained man. Yeah. <laughs> On drugs. Yeah. <laughs> More than likely. not. You can do. You can probably get to 400 kilos. Uh, natty, but it'd be your lifelong... Ooh mission like yeah you know what i mean yeah, and, uh, the, other thing, the like, only thing you focused on yeah the other thing you got to look into i mean a gorilla powerlifting would be it's just cheating i mean their <laughs> lockout on a deadlift would be about an inch and a half <laughs> <laughs> so uh and squatting i mean look at that their legs are like oh they're just built to squat they're all torso yeah They've got short little legs. I mean, if you could potentially teach them to do it, I mean, they would. I would say, if you took, if you were somehow to just to grab a gorilla out of nature that has never trained before, you could probably, if he was teachable, uh, within weeks he would probably break records. I mean, <laughs> like, so. Bench press might be a little harder with long arms. Yeah, but still. Oh, I know. Uh, I don't think it would take much. Like the, the good thing is that they seem like, from everything I know about them, they're potentially docile creatures. Thank God. But uh, I, I don't know. Bitch press might. They can't keep their feet on the ground. Yeah, that's true. We'd have to get blocks, lots of blocks. <laughs> yeah, lots of blocks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do the old school feet on the bench technique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No art. <laughs> Here's one for you, Mike. That goes a little. It's going to go a little more in depth. I'm not even sure it's answerable. How long does it take for the energy and food we eat to be digested and turned into ATP? As an aside, how long does it take for ATP stores to replenish after depleting them? I.e., during powerlifting exercises, for example. So, if you look at assimilation to energy, the big caveat there is what type of macronutrient you're talking about protein fluid ingestion etc digestion times vary quite a bit um 
if you look at on the very rapid end of the spectrum, there's some, uh, like Vitargo has published some studies looking at uh, from when it's consumed, which is a carbohydrate, amylopectin, to when it shows up in muscle tissue, or it can be potentially used for energy. Some of that would be blood glucose or liver glycogen. Um, some of that could be, you know, as short as a few hours. Uh, but if you're looking at a mixed meal, eh, several hours to potentially longer, um, because it's a very, it's not like a big spike, right? So if you look at a graph, it's kind of this long arching and then kind of goes back down. Um, the other question was what ATP to power powerlifting, is that right? Yes. Like how long would it take then? The first one was meal. How long? And then the next one was how long does it take ATP stores to replenish after depleting them during, for example, powerlifting exercises? Yeah. So the tricky part with that is you've got. So how I explain it to people is imagine you're looking at the ATP level is like the water in your bathtub. You've got a rate of appearance, which is the water coming into the bathtub. And you've got a rate of disappearance, which is how big your drain is. So it kind of depends on those two main things, like how much are you producing and how much are you taking away. Mm-hmm. So your body is always constantly producing and using, even at rest. Um, so with powerlifting, you're not technically using all that much ATP because the duration is relatively short. But the thing that gets you is the rate, right? So Olympic weightlifting would be even faster. Mm-hmm. Right? You're you're turning on as much muscle tissue as you can. And you need that kind of that high spike per se, which is why things like, you know, creatine as a supplement can potentially help because you can regenerate ATP a little bit faster. And then if you go farther down that whole rabbit hole, like the stuff I was taught, which unfortunately uh, <laughs> I've taught other people in the past, which maybe is 100 percent correct. You have your different rates of substrates that can be used to produce energy. Right, so fat takes the longest, carbohydrates, intermediates, etc. Some of the newer data shows that, eh, shocker, probably not that simple. Right, so the thing I saw God, six years ago that just like messed me up pretty big time for quite a while was uh, I was a good buddy with Roger who has the Moxie sensor. Mm-hmm. You stick it out of muscle, tells you uh, blood flow and a bunch of other stuff. So we get on, a, I don't know if it was Aaron Davis or who it was, puts this guy on a, a rower. And he's like, all right, we're going to look at muscle oxygen levels and has him do like a 30-second all-out wind gate. Right? So we've always been taught that, oh, that's anaerobic exercise, right? You're not really using oxygen. Yeah, don't worry about it. And you look at the little sensor on their quad, and at the end of 30 seconds, it started out at like 85%, and it was down to like 20%. I was like, oh, shit, wait a minute. This is supposed to be an anaerobic exercise. You're not supposed to be using oxygen, but yet the muscle just pulled a shitload of oxygen out. Like, how does that even work? And mm-hmm. Long story short, all these things are reproducing energy at different rates, and it turns out that oxygen and the use of carbohydrates and fats aerobically is used way sooner than most people have ever realized. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's hard to give an exact number um but the takeaway is more calories matter things like creatine probably help 
And then this is why even for powerlifting, having some type of aerobic base, you don't need to be an endurance runner, is actually going to be beneficial because the higher level your aerobic system is, the faster you can use oxygen to regenerate those substrates into ATP. Therefore, you can recover faster between lifts, probably get more volume done. Most people I've noticed could even add possibly another training session over the course of a week also. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you say about the, like, in versus out. And I think that would play into, like, what level of lifter you are, too. Oh, when they looked When they looked at, like, that study they did against, like, they took average people versus elite-level powerlifters and weightlifters. And, like, the average person, I think, was able to, like, use 15 to 20% of the muscle tissue at one time, muscle fibers. Like, they yeah. were just neurally not efficient. Whereas an elite lifter was like in the 80s percent. So when you're able to turn that much on in one moment, of course you're gonna, you're gonna dump a lot more. Um, which therefore, it would take longer for that to restore. Um, but. Yeah. And that's what we see, right? I mean, I would say on average, I don't know if you guys would agree that Olympic weightlifters tend to rest longer between attempts than power lifters. Would you agree with that statement or not? The uh, Olympic, maybe not. I mean, so Olympic lifters rest longer. Yeah, I would say not in competition. Well, that's yeah, yeah, that's dictated by schedule though and stuff yeah. too. Correct. Yes. I I would I mean, it's close maybe. Yeah, in general, weightlifters though I've seen. Well, I would are lazy, but weightlifters man. It, exactly. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> I was saying, do they need to rest that long? No, they don't. They as long as. As long as weightlifters yeah, yeah, yeah. rest, no, they don't need to rest that long. Like, I mean, I'm saying the same about powerlifting to some degree, depending. And some of that's just programming. Like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people just go too heavy all the time. And it, mm-hmm. when you have to, like, get all of your neural and all that stuff together to lift, you know, working sets, I'm always like, that's too much. But, you should be, you know, most like t- have tough sessions, but like mostly smooth. But yeah, weightlifters are the same. Like they they rest a long time, but not because they should. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they're they're not replenishing anything necessarily. They're just yeah. they're just I don't know. There's like yeah, I want to say I I could be bastardizing the the study that you get into fast you know repletion and slow repletion. I want to say to get up close to the high 90%, it was like three to four minutes or something. But again, I, some of that older data, because of the way it was measured, I don't trust it as much. So I don't want to put a huge amount of faith in that. Yeah. I, I would say like weightlifting, like a really good weightlifting session, like the fatigue you feel from it isn't like, so, like, in a powerlifting session, it's like your body will feel worked and you'll, you'll have some – you'll feel it a lot more in your muscle, like, actually in your muscles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, actually physically feel it. But a good weightlifting session, it's like – it's not necessarily like you can pinpoint what you feel, what muscle is fatigued. You just feel, like, tired, like, sleepy almost. It's yeah. just like you're trying to organize all of your, your whole nervous system, every single lift. Yeah. To me, it, yeah, I haven't done a lot drained. of Olympic stuff, but just I see in this output in my little air quotes, it, 
it feels very similar, like you just did something very mentally tasking, right? So if you've ever spent a couple hours trying to really solve a problem or some mental task, you just feel like, ugh, like you got hit by a truck, like you don't want to do anything, like thinking is hard, but like muscle soreness, you don't have any DOMS, your joints feel fine, everything else just feels okay. For me, the difference powerlifting was always like doing a powerlifting meet compared to weightlifting. The orthopedic strain of those max attempts mm. was larger. Like, like yeah. all, like every powerlifter I've taken to a meet, and that's what it is. It's like before the meet and after the meet. It's like my joints are just done, you know, from so long of, <laughs> of hitting. You know, the max attempts in powerlifting are like literally physical max attempts. Whereas in weightlifting, it's the max attempt you can move dynamically. Yes. So there's a difference there in the strain. So. And do you think that's because in powerlifting compared to weightlifting, you have to have just so much more muscle contraction and then relaxation isn't a part of it. Right. Yeah. If you're trying to Olympic weightlift and you're like super stiff all the time, like your technique's gonna suck. Yes. I, oh, here's, just the here's nature of part, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here would be part of my thing with powerlifting that I would I would say is like, yeah, but if you let's say you took powerlifting and they had to all squat like weightlifters, like yeah, the joint strain would be still pretty rough, but I think it'd be a little bit better because you're using the full range of motion of the mm-hmm. joint. Oh, yeah. the load would go down. Yeah, the loads would but, go down, right? <laughs> but, like, if you, let's say, squatting to parallel with your knees wrapped, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that bottom position for the knee is not, that's not its full, like, full range. And it's just, like, reversing that motion. You know, obviously the sleeve, like, not the sleeves, I mean, sleeves in raw or whatever, but um, wraps. Like, if you wrap tight. And like that range of motion isn't full and it is just like exponentially increasing the pressure on that joint. Yeah. So if you took like a powerlifting, I don't know. And if you made them like, like, all right, you guys got to squat like weightlifters and the loads would go down and they'd still be in there essentially pushing as hard, not as hard against the weight, obviously, but if you change the like range of motion to be full, I feel like it'd be a little bit better in terms of like the joint soreness. But I mean, even looking bench and deadlift, mm-hmm. that's not full range. Like the joint itself, most of the joint is not getting a full range of motion. Yeah, yeah, right. And you're and if you're a good powerlifter, you're actively avoiding full range of motion. Oh yeah. Oh, not right. only that. Not only that. You're like. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like winding purposely. Your you're also purposely yeah. like limiting your physical ability to reach range of motion. Like before I started powerlifting, I'd do the splits. Now I would die. <laughs> you know, I purposely found <laughs> myself up. So I, that part I would, I would be curious about, I should say, just because like when people start like, like really training that full range of motion and like their ability to like feel good, like just their joints feeling a little bit better, like actually training your joints with like full range of motion exercises and stuff. That's a, like complete side note, but that, that just makes me think about it. Here's an interesting one. Get you guys' take on what does being in shape, what is, is being in shape to you? 
What is the standard in which you consider yourself in shape regardless of your sport? <laughs> That's a tough one because it's so yes. like, yes. Uh, no, I'll just say yesterday I saw it was, there's an NBA player. He plays for the Blazers. And I mean, so this is, that's a high conditioning. He was like, I can play, you know, however many minutes in a game, but I'll still be out of shape going up the stairs. And I was like, you know, that's actually kind of interesting because really? I would always, everyone says that, like, as that's like the barrier. Like, I want to be able to walk up the stairs without feeling like I'm, you know, out of breath. And here's this NBA player who plays, you know, I mean, a ton of basketball per week plus practice. I mean, I don't know how many hours that would be in terms of yeah. aerobic and anaerobic training, but a lot. I mean, quite a bit more than the average person. And still, it's like, yeah, I'm still out of breath going upstairs. Yeah. Well, that seems weird. Well, and this is an impossible question. Because, <laughs> like, literally, in shape requires context of what you want yeah. to do. Um, and I've said this numerous times. Like, the the most in shape Olympic lifter is totally different than the most in shape powerlifter, and rightly so due to the activity that they need to do on a regular basis. Um, and for me, I mean, I'm not a big believer in the huge fat out of shape powerlifter, but like it's still way fucking different than an endurance athlete. You know, <laughs> I mean, we don't spend like, and it'd be, I'd be an asshole if I was a coach that like, you need to be able to run four miles. Like, literally, that has nothing to do with my sport, you know, and we're wasting time. Like, at a certain point, if you're doing more aerobic work with a power lifter, you're wasting time yeah. on, instead of doing the work they need to excel at their sport. So, that goes back to the, it's like that old video of Taranko when he broke the world record. Yeah. And the newscast kept going back to him, and like four minutes later, he's still like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> "It's like, well, he just threw five hundred fucking pounds above his head. He's not out yeah. of shape. He's like literally the most in shape person for his sport today. He broke the goddamn world record, so you can't say I'll, he's out of shape." I'll, I'll risk it and give some standards here, uh, like just base standards of just like generally general fitness type of thing, and I think it would still apply. Because I think I'm still applied to even the extreme. Because, like, the more extreme you are, it's, like, the worse you are at the other general stuff. Yes. yes. But, so, like, a 2K row, because it's pretty passive, and you just got to sit on the sit on the rower. 2K row, you should be able to at least get that under 10 minutes. Like. Oh, yeah. You yeah. should be able to 2K row under 10 minutes. And that's not, like, that's just passable shape. Like, that's if, you know, you're training, you're doing powerlifting stuff or whatever. You just sit on the rower. You should be able to row a 2K under 10 minutes without, you know, throwing up and, you know, being like, oh, my God, this is, like, mm. with, you know, that kind of thing. I'll, with the rower and then the bike, there's too many different variations of the bike. But I would say, um, I mean, I don't stuff. I'm not going to approach I'm not going to approach that one. But the rower, like a Concept 2 rower, most people can get or find access to one of those at some point. And just being able to get that under 10 minutes is is just like baseline health. Mm-hmm. Like just a baseline. You're not you're not in like you're not in advanced shape or anything like that. You're not going to the CrossFit games. But <laughs> if you can row that under 10 minutes, you know, you're a 800 pound squatter. And you can hop on the, like, you can just get on the rower, 
get under uh, 10 minutes. That would be like kind of my baseline metric because that question always to me comes with like a, it's more like a aerobic slant or a cardio yeah. type conditioning mm-hmm. type slant. Um, cause I have minimum standards for like squats and shit too. So like all around, like there's, I have like a baseline of like, you should be able to squat at least this, you know, or at least be able to squat, you know, X, Y, Z, a hinge, you know, some sort of thing. So I have, I have standards for a lot of things, but just like baseline, am I in shape? Like, can I say I'm not, you know, just lazy POS, I'm just hopping off the couch, whatever, 10 minute row. Under under sub ten minutes. Yeah, that's not yeah. My the one I always lean to, and I don't know why. I think it's just because I hate like jogging and rowers. They're just boring as shit to me. When I'm <laughs> out of shape, uh, like after that meet, when I ate myself up to two ninety eight, like immediately what I went to was kettlebell swings. Yeah. I did Dan John's ten thousand swing challenge, and that's like a baseline that I keep. Is like if I can't do a hundred swings without it kicking my ass at any given time, I need to do more work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I'll take I put that in there too. I have yeah. like kettlebell standards, like kettlebell swing standards. Yeah, and it's like that's that's my one. It's like okay, I'm, I need to pick up this bell and just do a hundred nonstop and not be <gasps> you know just dying. <laughs> if I'm doing that, I'm in trouble. And uh, that's also I mean, but I think that's the shit with powerlifters and strength athletes that that's why you have an off season, you know? Oh yeah. There's a time to do that. You know, the time to do that is not six weeks before your meet. You know, that's when shit's going to go down. Like throughout a season, in my opinion, a power or or weightlifter, like their aerobic base is going to vary because their training is going to vary in the off season. We're going to do more of that stuff. Get your ass in shape. So you don't, die at 32 from a heart attack, <laughs> you know, that's part of it. And then you know, part of it's for your sport too. But I mean, like a big thing that we've had happen in my place was like people would come in for powerlifting and they were literally not in shape enough to complete the workout, mm-hmm. yeah. the amount of reps and the amount of volume that we need to do. So the number one thing was getting them in shape. There, there are people, I mean, that's Dave Tate talked about it in one of his old, old articles, but like his first few months at Westside, all he got to do was push the sled the whole time that they lifted to get his ass in yeah. enough yeah. shape to do it. And also, I think part of that's just paying your dues. Like, if you can't fucking do this, if you won't do this, you, you don't deserve to be here. You know, <laughs> type of thing. But I mean, I will say time and place. That, that just just in terms of West, like Westside bringing that to powerlifting, I will say I think that was like a big thing they brought into powerlifting was like GPP. Yes. Yeah. Work or at least ability to endure, just the ability to endure training sessions. And honestly, if you've never, people have never done a powerlifting meet, your ass is whooped by the end of the day. It's a long oh, yeah. day. And <laughs> even in like, part of that is just the time between lifts and like people get too jacked up and they get wrapped up in the yeah. competition. They're watching it. They're just nearly on for too long and they get wore the fuck out. And, uh, Part of that's I mean, it's a long day, whereas weightlifting is usually a shorter day because you go one after another. Like a powerlifting meet, an average one probably lasts eight hours. You know, so and just being on, you need to be in shape enough for that. Whereas you see, I've seen a lot of people like they come to the deadlift and they're just done. 
And that's the other thing that makes deadlift and deadlift records harder. Like there's a big difference in deadlift records and deadlift records done in a full meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of the reason, you know, it's, of course, it's the, the six lifts they did prior to it, but it's also the amount of time they had to be on that day. Like you're just, your ass is whooped by the end of the day. So, yeah. Do you guys have any mins for lifts? Like just, uh, bench press, squat, deadlift that you would kind of consider thresholds, I guess? Well, yeah, I wrote like a whole thing about it. I had a, <laughs> a <laughs> got a whole book on it. <laughs> the, I just, yeah, I used to do like the man and woman cards. Mm-hmm. It, it, it started as, uh, just like the minimums to do most of the cross, like when I had the CrossFit gym. I was annoyed that people were like, I'm ready to do RX. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you have to be this strong to be able to do those mm-hmm. weights. But then yeah, yeah. the CrossFit, then I moved on from that. But, um, and I had three weight classes basically. So you kind of like strongman, like you have the heavy, which for men, I had anything over, I think it was like maybe 200 pounds or something. And those are like baselines. As like, uh, being able to get there. Yeah. So like the minimum standard for like getting it, I think the men I had like for, it's like under 165, like 250 back squat, deadlift 405. That one's from Phil actually. So. That's the one I catch the most shit for. <laughs> yeah. Still, the that's, the that's thing still. still to this day, and I probably said that 12 years ago. That any grown ass man, regardless of sport, should be able to deadlift 405. And I still yeah, stand yeah. behind it because I've had like 12 year old boys that weigh 98 pounds do it that are multi sport athletes. Like, you can't convince me that even as a, an aerobic athlete, that like the ability to deadlift 405 as a grown man is going to hinder your sport and not help it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, under 165, 165 to 190, 190 plus. Like, so 190 plus male, like the minimum, like the low end was like, was, is a state is 305. Mm-hmm. Like you should be able to squat 305 to 315. That's like, you, like if you can do that at one, anything above 190, you walk in the gym, you're not impressing anyone. Yes. But you're, you can tell that you've been training. If you do it well, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell you've been training. Like that's the first moment that people can tell that you're you've actually been training. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and like, and you know, obviously some people just can get that naturally or whatever. But then being able to like get a pull up, that kind of stuff. Mm. But yeah, the squat and the deadlift. Deadlift was from Phil. Four hundred five was like the minimum for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's every that's an everybody one. And like 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 I said, I still catch shit for that. I got so much hate mail. <laughs> it was so dumb. It's like whatever. I'm not changing my fucking mind. Man up, pick it up. You know? Yeah. Well, I kind of like which is it's just a very general, and I can't even remember who who I stole it from. Was deadlift four plates, squat three, bench two, overhead press one. All right. So your overhead press would be one thirty five. Your deadlift would be four hundred five. Right. If you yeah. can do all of those pretty good start right you're obviously not advanced you're not anywhere close to elite but you know you're probably someone who's who can lift no that's honestly probably going to put you ahead of 90 percent of the population oh yeah if we're on to get rid of population you know? <laughs> so yeah um 
I, I think those are good. There's minimums. I'd I'd take those. And then I I had is like uh for squat and deadlift, like for for one ninety plus, getting to four sixty five squat and then five twenty five deadlift is like that's the start of your next sport essentially. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not like if you get to a four sixty five squat you're you're gonna impress people at the gym probably, but you're not a powerlifter, right? Like you're not gonna be a good powerlifter at if you're two hundred squatting four sixty five and deadlifting five twenty five, but it's like you that's your launching pad. Like you can start there and then move forward. Mm-hmm. So that's the range. You got you train a little like we can tell like, okay, you've been training. That's like three oh five, three fifteen. And then Working up to 465, it's like, all right, this is, and I also thought of it as like, if you're an athlete and you're doing any other sport besides lifting sports, that's probably as much as you would need, like gain from, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like Like anything past that, you're going to get bad. Yeah. Diminishing diminishing results. Yeah. 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 I like that. I mean, my rough cutoff for the rower for 2K for... I would say not someone who's like squatting 800, you know, just because the the average gym goer would be like, hey, what do you think of 2K? For me, males, if you're around 200 pounds, so not super high body weight, my rough cutoff is like eight minutes. You know, like if you can do eight minutes and you didn't see white buffaloes in the sky and you could do it again (laughs) tomorrow, you're pretty good, right? You're obviously not anywhere close to elite. You're not horrible, but... I think that's a very, very doable standard that some people would have to work at it, but it's not unrealistic. Like you start getting, you know, for a lot of guys, you know, seven and a half, start trying to get below sub seven minutes. Like that's, you know, for most people, that's going to take a fair amount of work, a fair amount of specialization. Granted, there's a couple of freaks, but we're talking about strength athletes in general. Um, so my cutoff's kind of like, yeah, if you're around eight minutes, it's probably more than good enough for general population of these guys. Yeah. Okay. So why do powerlifters and strongmen generally have more body fat than bodybuilders? What is the purpose of the fat? <laughs> I mean, I, like this is a question like you could, you could eat. The answer to this question is diet, like a bodybuilder down to, you know, low body fat and then try to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To your like, I mean, even to your 90%. Right. Yeah. Now oh, yeah. I would even say CrossFitters carry more body fat than most people think. Oh, now yeah. some, like, and, but yeah, like you just try like do that, like diet down and then try it. Like your joints feel terrible. Oh, yeah. And you're going to try to, you know, hug a, giant stone and you feel like <laughs> yeah i can tell you even because i cut down for my 40th birthday it was always a goal of mine and i got the fairly low body fat under 10 percent, and holy fuck my belt hurt so bad where yeah. <laughs> it was like this is fucking horrible um but i needed it more like i could go higher without a belt before and like i had to put it on a lot sooner because i there was just less of me in the center um and that's a big one people forget is like that 
general body fat and also just being bloated with water. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it cushions your joints and there's more support there for, for big lifts, uh, and heavy, heavy athletic stuff. Look at, look at any professional sport. Like there's a reason why nobody in the NBA, NFL, major league baseball, soccer, like none of them look like bodybuilders. Yeah. Because they need to do things. And also you got to remember that fat is an energy store you're carrying with you to do those things for three hours or whatever your sport is, you know, um, even hell, even marathon runners, they like, they carry arguably more body fat, their high, their body fat percentage is probably higher than most strength athletes in a lot of cases. Um, cause they don't need that muscle. You know, they need to endure. So, uh, with know, a few exceptions. Remember Bujanowski? Oh yeah. Well, he, Oh does. yeah. <laughs> but, but you're also talking about a genetic specimen that was highly yeah. in. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. You, you mix crazy <laughs> genetics with yeah. You're just throwing it out the window. That's a, he's an outlier. Uh, and fuck, arguably even most powerlifters that are, I mean, let's not be naive here. Most powerlifters that are at the top and aren't lean are highly gassed, oh, yeah. and the body fat still helps them. You know, I mean. The the day of powerlifting has changed, and I the big change in it, and the reason we're not seeing so many big, huge, fat powerlifters is because the resurgence of raw lifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like you could literally add pounds to your, like I bought a suit, it's tight, I gained twenty pounds, it's really fucking tight. Guess what? My <laughs> lifts, you know, just by cramming a hundred pounds of potatoes in a fifty pound bag. So, uh, and that changed with raw now. Because there is a point of, especially with a deadlift, of diminishing returns and weight gain. It's like weight gain generally helps your squat and your bench. Weight gain at a certain point usually hurts your deadlift. Like when I was up to 298, the hardest part of the fucking deadlift was getting to the bar. If I got there and I could get set up correctly, it was fairly easy. But <laughs> like literally the fight was getting down there. Uh, and oddly enough, I've deadlifted a couple times in a suit and... Like, that's real close to the same. Like, mm. you just can't get in the right position. I just won't deadlift in a suit. I have one. I have, like, a Gen 1 deadlift suit that's basically a thick singlet, and I'll use it. But I can't use a new deadlift suit. It's just I feel like I'm way out on my toes. I just haven't learned to fight and get in the right position. But, mm. but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's also, like you said, the health of the joints and stuff with that fat and water and all that. You know, because you got to remember, bodybuilders also highly dehydrate themselves in general. Oh, yeah. So, so that is, you're in no condition. You take a bodybuilder off stage and tell them to go run sprints. See what happens. <laughs> the day they have to go. Yeah, exactly. It's like lots of uh, torn yeah. hamstrings by, happen. By so. the time they get to the stage, like, they feel awful. Like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So like There's maybe two weeks out. Right, like two weeks out of that competition, one, two, one, two weeks out from your competition, it's like the only joy you get is from posting your little pics on yep. social media. Little, <laughs> yeah, from a person that's trained people in bodybuilding, and one thing's like literally watching their lifts plummet those last oh, yeah. five to six weeks. Like you just, <laughs> they go to shit you know, lift wise. You're trying to make them lift as heavy as they can, but uh, like you, it has to go down. Whereas in powerlifting, like we said, there's a reason I try and have – I don't like my lifters to cut 
I would rather them be in a position where they can eat up to their meat. Yeah. Instead of cut down. They generally perform a lot better. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah. I think you, you talk about structural stuff too. Like if you've ever done any fresh tissue dissection, you'll realize that fat is stuffed into every little corner of the body. They're not the neat that look like the pictures. Cause a lot of the pictures you see from Netter and anatomists are with everything else removed and they look really pretty. But like you do fresh tissue stuff that's not embalmed and you know, there's special types of fat like in the bottoms of your feet that's like super tough. You've got pararenal fat that's around your kidneys to help structurally keep them in place, brown adipose tissue. And I think a lot of fat serves as, you know, structural roles in other areas too. And then like you guys mentioned, people forget just how anabolic calories are. Mm-hmm. Like so you're probably overshooting the amount of calories that you need because you can't afford to undershoot. Yeah. Right? You're going to be shooting yourself in the foot. So over time, you're probably going to accumulate some body fat just from that. But you're going to be in more of a anabolic environment to help training muscle growth, the fuel to do it, all that stuff much longer. So your training stimulus is going to be a lot higher at that point, mm-hmm. too, because your metric is a performance outcome based metric. Um, and the last part, too, is that some people I've noticed can do pretty good substantially, like pretty lean, not ultra lean, like bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. But man, I've just noticed there's a, there's a wide range, right? And you will have yeah. some freaks who can perform pretty well. You can look at their blood work. They look pretty good. And then on the other end, there's other people, you know, it's like kind of called your, your personal fat threshold where when you're gaining fat and Phil can speak to this too, at some point, it just seems like blood work, everything goes exponentially mm-hmm. bad. Yep. And some people don't have much capacity for that. They got to stay pretty lean to keep their health metrics in place. Other people can get pretty damn fat and keep, yeah. <laughs> and keep them yeah. in place too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a big difference, I mean, one of the biggest differences is what you just said. I mean, it's a, those other sports are performance based, yeah. not looks based. Right. So literally what you have to remember is like some powerlifters look good and it's by default. They're not concentrating on that. Some like look at the fucking NFL. There are dudes that are jacked. Oh, yeah. They're not they're generally not training to look in the mirror. No. Their physique is a byproduct of what they do. Um that's like I've had people come up to me, I want to look like an MMA player. A person. Well, have you thought about doing MMA at a high level? You're probably going to look like one. You know? <laughs> Cauliflower ears and black eyes, baby. Here we come. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, but you'll look like one. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that, like, whenever I see somebody with cauliflower ears, like, okay, not fucking with him. We are yeah. not going. Nope. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it's, that's just the nature of the sport. You know, one is inherently performance based. Or many of them are inherently performance based, and others are uh, not. You know, it's 100%. It has nothing to do with what you can do in that sport. It's all in what you look like. Whereas it's vice versa in the other sports. Like nobody gives a shit. There's plenty of people warming the bench that look jacked because they can't fucking play. You know, oh, I've yeah. seen plenty of strong people enter powerlifting, strong-looking people enter powerlifting competitions and strongman and just get ruined by people that don't look nearly as strong as them. So, I used to I, ask well, coaches this question all the time of, you know, who are your strongest players in the weight room? 
And almost always they're like, yeah, the people not starting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they have all that time to weight lift. They're not. The time <laughs> they don't, yeah. and transfer and everything else. Yeah. They're warming the bench, so it's like, well, what am I going to do? I guess I'll go lift weights. Yeah. <laughs> well, those other guys are actually practicing the play tomorrow. So um, we'll end with this one. This is a uh, a trick question here. Bodybuilding versus powerlifting. Which one has a better future? Mm. Look, go ahead, go ahead. I'll I'll let you go. Uh I was gonna say they both suck. Like your future is just like you're not gonna be famous in the grand scheme of things. But in today's world, I honestly think powerlifting. I think getting more hits. People, we're in this kind of we're still we're on a downswing, but we're still in a. we took a turn towards performance about 10 years ago or a little more where that became more in vogue, like what you could do, like thick booty girls wanting to lift heavy, you know, things like that. It's, there's been a change. Um, so I think maybe you'd get, if you're like measuring your future on Instagram hits, <laughs> potentially as a dude, at least, uh, being a lifter, being a lifter would give, give you a brighter future. Maybe. But I mean, yeah. Stone, did it make him a millionaire? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I would say, I, like, I was like, you know, obviously having a hybrid, but I think bodybuilding is getting killed somewhat just by being able to have an okay physique on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Being like, you can get, I mean, you can get, you know, sponsors and all that stuff where you couldn't used to. Like, it used to be the person who went, you know what I mean? Like, that's how yeah. Arnold exists. Yep. Because he was that, and then he was the movie star, right? Like you go to those kind of physiques, but I think you can kind of bypass that now and just do the Instagram physiques. Like, yeah. I don't think you have to go down the route of like getting on stage as yeah. much. So, and like seeing people who do powerlifting, I, that is a tough one because it's almost like. Like powerlifting is in the same, somewhat same boat where people don't go to competitions to do stuff anymore. I mean, weightlifting too, but they just do it at home on Instagram, and it's like yes. that's good enough. Yeah, and I had an so, interesting conversation about that last week, and one of my clients was in town, and like he did a powerlifting with meet with me last, the last one I did in Ohio, and literally the reason he did it was because he's like, well, I can't call myself a powerlifter unless I do a meet. So he wanted to do a meet, and and he wanted to complete the meet. He's like, I still didn't – personally, he didn't think he could call himself a powerlifter or he bombed out, like if he didn't make one lift in all three. And that was his goal. It's like, well, you fucking accomplished it. You made it through. Yeah. And it didn't matter how much he lifted, you know. Like, you, But, I mean, that's just like I could, couldn't call myself a baseball player if I just was out throwing the ball with my son and hitting balls off a tee. Like, <laughs> you have to play the fucking sport to to be a baseball player. Um but, and I don't know. I mean, bodybuilding, I guess, is the same. Like, I never claimed I was a bodybuilder. I've never stepped on stage. Did I train for physique for a long time? Yes. And then, like Ed Cohen, it was like one day I realized that I could, like, do all that weightlifting shit I like plus eat food. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm going to be a powerlifter, you know, because that's what I found out. I mean, it, was, it wasn't the physique thing I liked. It was the actual act of lifting and uh, uh, seeing what I could do. So... I would 
Oh man, I would actually vote bodybuilding just because of what Jarrell was saying. I I think you could, as much as I hate this, you could actually make a somewhat okay living off of social media by getting in shape once in your life, training clients online that are not from the area you're in so they never have to see you again, (laughs) and just use that one in-shape photo for like the next 10 years and probably ride that out. As much as I, oh, God, I can't stand any of that, but I think you probably could which is a weird state of society because I still think the average person off the street, if you said fitness trainer, personal trainer, coach, you're going to hire some or whatever, as much as I would love to think it's evolved into a legit profession where they're going to look at education, experience, who have you coached, what have you done, you know, do you practice it yourself, et cetera. I still think they just kind of look at a photo and go, that dude or gal's in shape. Do they know what they're talking about? Yeah, I think I can can see that. (laughs) Like, there's a guy here in town that opened a gym, and he was like Mister Shawnee County, 1983, (laughs) and he still gets good. He gets tons of clients because of that because he has a picture from like 30 years ago. Yeah, uh, when he was in super shape. But uh, yeah, I could see that because yeah, I'd I'd say that sadly because the average person looking for a coach still goes off of first impression of luck yeah over what like like how many people honestly like when they're looking for a coach go look at numerous coaches and then dig and like okay who have they coached what have they accomplished i'd say a very low percentage do um so yeah and i think even you're you're still sort of graded against how lean you are even if you're a power lifter and leanness is the thing that you're training you know what i mean that there's still that weird Yes. Thing I think in just fitness because most general population their goal is losing body fat that mm. that's the marker they grade everyone against even if that wasn't their goal at all. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So and that goes back to the question earlier. It's like what do you call in shape? And it's like it's literally yeah. context in it. Yeah. When you're meeting and talking to people, uh, it's it just is. But all right. Well, it's a good show. Yeah. Good questions. Yeah, wasn't bad. So, thank you, Reddit. That's where I got them all. Oh, really? (laughs) Yep. So, (laughs) all right. Well, until next week, everybody enjoy their weekend and the first weekend of NFL playoffs and all that stuff. Go Vikings for Mike. Yay. I have no skin in that game, so I don't mind. I don't care who wins this week. Yeah, you can root for the Vikings then. Yep, I can relax. (laughs) Thank you. So, there you go. All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye.